Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. This is another bonus episode. So today's topic at hand is, you know, it's, it's been around for, for a period of time, but, you know, things are not necessarily mainstream as of yet, but they're building up to it. And, and being that I'm, I'm a digital marketer, I'm plugged into these these spaces and I hear about the grapevine, about things that are coming up, and then I study them and I research them before I even bring them to you. So today we're going to be talking about NFTs. Right. Some of you may have heard of NFTs. Some of you may not have heard of NFTs. Some of you may think NFTs are a fad. But, you know, hopefully after this particular episode, I'll be able to kind of clarify some case um, user cases and the definition of NFTs and kind of break down like how you can creatively use NFTs. Right. So today's topic is how can I use NFTs to increase the value of my digital real estate portfolio? So what we're going to cover in this episode, we're going to cover what's an NFT. We're going to cover um, what is a digital real estate, right? We're going to also cover who could gain to use NFTs in building digital real estate. And we're also going to close out with user cases of NFTs in building digital real estate portfolios, right? So what we're not going to cover in this episode, which I'll probably cover in future episodes, is, you know, how to create an NFT, uh, what is an NFT collection, understanding the blockchain, Ethereum, what is a gas fee, how to market an NFT, and um, how to do NFTs effectively in the environment, right? Or how do NFTs affect the environment? So those are things that we're not going to cover. So I'm just going to dive into this, and you guys know, like, I, I, if I'm talking about this, I'm excited about it, and I think that you need to know about it if you don't know about it already, or at least I can kind of help you clarify some things about it. So first, off the bat. What is an NFT? Now, you probably have heard the non-fungible token is a unique and non-transferable unit of data stored on a digital ledger, right? And then they go into blockchain, they go into all this stuff. So I'm going to summarize it, right? And I'm going to kind of tell it to you in a story format. So the first summarization of what NFT really is, it is a ledger of ownership of digital content tracked on blockchain. Like, that's the base level definition of it. So you're probably still like, what what does that mean for me as an individual, right? Well, think of it from an example of, let's say you went to a art show in the 80s or the 90s or early 2000s, right? And in this art show, there was a piece of art that you purchased. Now, you may not have been the first owner of this art. It could have been a piece of art that maybe was owned by Shaquille O'Neal, or it could have been a piece of art that was maybe owned by like a famous musician. And that's what they're telling you as far as the marketing for this piece. Oh, you want to own this piece. This piece has been in multiple different people's hands. It's a legacy piece. It's been in this hands. It's been in the 1800s. But you're going off of their word. Like there's no proof of that central record right maybe then back then they may have been some kind of ledger but ledgers back then could have been falsified right it could have been written signatures kind of like who who had it who didn't have it kind of like a log file for your car when you go to get oil changed with more premium cars right but now with nfts it allows you to have something that cannot be disputed it's locked into a, a, a 
what's called the blockchain, which is essentially just nothing more than, than technology behind the scenes. And the way this technology works is that every single time someone purchases or becomes the owner of set product, in this case, we're talking about art, this ledger is digitally created and also um, it's locked in based upon multiple different computers that are verifying it at the same time. So there's no way for you to really falsify it, right? So if you just say you have 10,000 computers, all 10,000 computers are going to have to verify that John just sold this painting to Susan. And once that happens, and then that's considered to be minting, once that's minted, right, then you have a blockchain record of from owner one to owner two, right? So now when you purchase something like that, you could literally go into the record and see who has owned this piece of art or anything digital for that matter. That's what the real value behind NFTs come in. Now, obviously, there's a multiple other strategies that go into that. But if you're into the collecting space, right, which it, you know, most people, they collect something, right? Whether you're, you're, you're collecting equipment as a podcaster or whether you're an art collector or, you know, you're collecting baseball cards, the problem is always the verification of who owned it, what's the value of it, why is this same products, two of the same identical products, why is one worth more than the other? Well, if you have two pieces of the same similar artwork and one was owned by Jay-Z and um, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk versus another one that wasn't owned by anyone, which one do you think will be worth more? The one that's owned by all the billionaires with proof of ownership. That's the, like the meat and potatoes of uh, NFT. So number two, going into... What is digital real estate? Well, digital real estate NFTs go hand in hand because NFTs are essentially creating ownership ledgers of digital assets, right? So digital assets can be podcasts. It could be videos. It could be courses. It could be images. I mean, the owner of Twitter sold his NFT of his first tweet of Twitter, right? And I know you're probably thinking like, well, I could just take a picture of it. That's always the rebuttal. Well, why do I want to have ownership of something digital where I could just take a screenshot of it, right? Well, guess what? If you've ever seen in some influencers, they may go to this big ass mansion, big house. They will take pictures in this house, but they don't own the house. They're renting the house, or maybe their friend may own the house, or maybe they're on vacation at the house, but they don't own the house. So part of it, yes, is bragging rights, but also it's also the credibility of having ownership of something that has value, and value then can turn into monetization. So if I'm taking pictures in front of a like a jet, well, do I own that jet, or am I renting that jet? There's this fake reality, and then there's real reality, right? There's There's fake ownership, and then there's real ownership. So NFT kind of clears that up. So when you get into digital real estate, you have to look at it as assets, much like regular real estate. I could be renting a house, right? Spending $3,000, $10,000 to rent a house, but I don't own the house. So it's kind of like, well, like I can't sell that house. I can't make money off that house. I can't take that house and put it on the market. I can't sublease that. I can't do anything with the house and make any monetary gains from that house because I'm renting it for somebody else. Somebody else has ownership of that house and they're making that money off of me. So the same thing with digital assets. Boston Cage Podcast. I own Boston Cage Podcast. I own the audio that we're creating. I own this episode, right? But imagine, for example, if I, and this is something that I'm working on, right? Let's say if I create an NFT of images from the podcast, or maybe I create a, a new brand, sub-brand of Boston Cage called Boston Cage Beast. And what I'm doing is selling artwork of cage, uncaged animals 
like a lion or a bear or a tiger. Oh my. And they're representing quality artwork, but at the same time, it gives the listener ownership of this artwork. So 20 years down the road, 100 years down the road, much like you've seen Picasso pieces or Basquiat pieces, usually the value of those pieces kind of go through the roof after someone dies, right? And I'm not trying to say that that's what's going to happen with the Boston Cage pieces, but the reality is that if you have ownership of something now, over a period of time as Boston Cage grows or as your brand continues to grow or as your legacy continues to grow or if you have kids and your kids have kids, well, now you could have a product that can have ownership that's, you know, people cannot dispute and you could pass it down legacy to legacy to legacy, right? So that, that, that's another good thing about digital real estate. In addition to digital real estate, as far as owning it, you can monetize it, right? So prime example, a podcast, you can monetize a podcast, you can monetize YouTube channels, you could monetize audio files, you could monetize images, you know, Getty Images is the big monetization, right? To really think about it, they've been monetizing images like forever, They've been kind of using the NFT format without NFT even being in creations, right? They'll create one image and they'll, they'll sell the royalties of that image. So you can use that image, but they still own that image, right? So you want to look at it from that standpoint. What do you have that's currently digital real estate? And I want you to think about it. Your website is digital real estate, right? Now, your Instagram accounts, your Facebook accounts, your YouTube accounts are not necessarily digital real estate that you own. but the content that's on those platforms could definitely go into your digital portfolio. So if you have 600 hours of videos on YouTube, well, as long as those videos are off YouTube as well, and let's say YouTube decides to go under tomorrow, which that's highly unlikely, then you have access to this content, which has value, which becomes part of your digital real estate, digital assets. Okay, so hopefully that, that dives into what digital real estate is. So now you kind of understand NFTs. You have like a, a point of reference to what digital real estate is. Let's go into number four, right? Who could gain from using NFTs and building digital real estate? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this list. And this is just like off the top of my head. And, and I'm going to kind of give you some, some variations of it, some case studies as well. So digital marketers, that goes without saying, right? Digital marketers create digital content. So essentially, if you're a digital marketer, like, like, like myself, S.A. Grant, and I'm creating books, podcasts, courses, images, and so forth, then it totally makes sense for me to then create some content in that space that's a unique value proposition for my listener or other people that are investors or collectors to say, well, Boston Cage has a great following. It has m multiple listeners. I like what they have to say. I want to go ahead and invest and make a purchase for this NFT and then from there, they'll have ownership of this piece of artwork that's associated to Boston Cage brand, right? Um, graphic designers, same thing. Graphic designers, that's all they do is digital, right? They create digital things all day, all night, and those digital things then become physical. Podcasters, YouTubers, videographers, photographers, authors, coaches. And I know you're probably thinking like, well, what does coaches have to do with, with NFTs and, and digital real estate? Well, if you're a coach, you're creating content. And that content is usually in the form of a course, right? Or a mastermind or a webinar. These are all videos that are all digital that falls under digital real estate that can then become an NFT. You could then give ownership, right? You can give not ownership of your course, but you can give ownership of different things. You can give ownership of audio clips. You can give ownership of video clips. You can give ownership of images, right? So you have to kind of think out the box of a user case, and we'll get into that shortly. 
but to understand that there's value in what you have, but it's also value in your listening community to give them ownership of some of these elements as well. Um, influencers, software companies. I think software companies are golden, right? Because you can kind of give, hey, if you buy this NFT, we'll give you access to a lifetime deal to our platform, or we'll give you access to um, a discounted rate to our platform. So that now you started to see like the bridging of the gap between the marketing and the product and services by using NFTs. So look at it. Say, I'm saying, hey, buy this still shot of Boston Cage podcast. And if you buy this still shot for whatever the value is at that point in time of purchase, you'll own that still. But with that still, you'll also get access to more digital assets, which is access to the uh, a year subscription to the Boston Cage Academy. Or you'll get access to um, one of the Boston Cage courses. So it's a two-for-one kind of thing, but then they also have a value add of owning that. So once they go through the course, they'll get value there. They maybe take action on what you're teaching them, but they'll always have the ownership of this piece of art that later on they can sell at a higher value, right? They could make money off that piece of art. So again, buying that art, not only do they get access to a course, but they also get access to art that has value that they can resell down the road. So it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer when you look at it that way. Dive it into um, more variations. So software companies, marketing agencies, art students, fine artists, content creators, consultants, publishers. I think publishers and trademark owners, those are big, right? Because publishers essentially, they literally, for the most part, own digital content. And they'll take that digital content and they'll convert it into physical content. Much like the music industry, right? Music industry, they'll record the recording artists, they'll do all the marketing, the contract would then say, you know, the the music company may own 75% of the ownership of that particular label, and they'll probably give 25% of royalties. And these are just, you know, numbers that I'm throwing out there. But think about that. Like, what would that look like if, if artists and companies would share the ownership of the NFT and the NFT is then the music, right? And then you can obviously see who owns it. There's no question behind it. And it goes 100% into trademarks, right? So trademarks or copyrights, you have to go through the United States, right? For example. You have to go to the trademark office. You have to wait six months to sometimes, like right now I'm working on a trademark and it's been active for about like nine months. We've been waiting for the trademark to come back. But what would it look like if I took that trademark, right, that image or that logo or that brand, and I made it into an F NFT? And then the trademark company would then start, the trademark office would then look at that NFT, if, if validate it to say, okay, well, SA has owned the ownership of this particular artwork or this particular logo or this particular brand from 2001, for example. By the time the office gets through all their documentations and verifications and they want to see proof of use and all this other stuff that comes along with trademarks, well, I have an NFT of it. So you can't debate it. There's no anyone else that comes down the pipeline and says, hey, oh, I had that logo before he did. Well, you can't say that because I have an NFT and it's a, it's a ledger that's indisputable ledger that said I had it since 2001. So it makes the trademark work so much easier because you can't deny it. It's, it's undisputable. So that, that's another way of looking at, at another variation of that. Right. Let's dive into like brand specialists, service based companies. Um. And you're talking about service-based and like what aspect of services? Well, there's different, like, could a plumber have NFT? Could a roofer have NFTs? My, my answer is, is why not? Why would you not want to create maybe some um, valued art piece on roofing? And not hear me. It sounds asinine. It sounds crazy. But, but hear the philosophy behind it. Imagine creating a, 100 NFTs for a roofer. 
and these roof images are like beautiful illustrations of roof art per se sounds crazy but what comes with that roof art nft is also um a lifetime quarterly check on your roof release so no brainer right so you could look at it as a service that someone could then pay this say 179 per month or you could essentially sell, sell an nft and as that NFT becomes, the owner has an NFT, as that value grows, they're still getting like the access to checking the roof, but then they can sell an NFT and make money off of it. And this is the beautiful part. With NFTs, you can do multiple different royalties. So with an NFT, I can sell you an NFT, let's say at $5, right? Because I'm not even going to get into the Ethereum conversions. So let's say I sell you the NFT for $5. And then I say, every time that you sell an NFT after I sold it to you, I'll get 10% of those royalties. So you may get it for $5 and then you may sell it for 50. Then I'll get $5 back, right? Then after you sell it for 50, the next person may sell it for 500. Well, guess what? I'm going to get another 10% out of that 500. So again, all of that's all in the blockchain. The blockchain is keeping that ledger active and it's saying that, hey, every single time this piece of art is sold and the value increases, the original owner of that piece then gets 10%. So you start to see like, well, damn, if I'm selling an art piece of artwork and I'm giving them value and I'm also giving them an opportunity with my services as an add-on bonus for purchasing it, and as they de decide to sell and move that through the market, then I also get a trail of royalties as well. Like, what the where has this shit been for the past 30 damn years? Like the fact that it's in existence right now, and I'm trying to get you guys to understand, you gotta take advantage of this or at least comprehend it because the technology is going to be more intrusive in our current day world. Like I'm talking about trademarks. Like what would that look like if NFTs are trademarks? What would it look like if you're going to the DMV to get your driver's license and your driver's license is an NFT? Like this shit is going to infiltrate essentially everything once it becomes mainstream. So understanding the principles behind it is going to be very valuable. Going back to the list, right? So service-based companies, event planners, um, and event owners. And I think this is a gold mine, right? So for event planners and event owners, this is where like the thing, and when I want to get into the case analysis of this, it's going to be beautiful, right? But just think, if I'm selling tickets, a lot of times tickets are like design tickets. But what if I look like selling a digital ticket? And that digital ticket becomes an NFT, and that ticket has value. So imagine going to like the first Kiss concert, right? Going to the first Wu-Tang concert, and you still have that digital ticket. What would that be worth right now? For someone to say, oh, my God, I'm a Wu-Tang collector, I'm a Kiss collector, and you have the first ticket for the first concert, and you're the original owner, think of it like cars. If you are buying used cars, the first thing people usually look at is, like, how many owners did the car have, right? And it's kind of easy to figure that out. You can kind of look it up, right? You can kind of go into the history of the car. It's the same exact philosophy. So it's twofold, right? If I wanted a car that only has one original owner and is not 20 owners, that's great. With NFTs, well, if it had 20 owners, well, that means that every time it's been sold, hopefully the goal would be that the value would increase and there's a high demand and it becomes more of a commodity, right? So going back to the list, you have um, collectors, large corporations, families, and promoters. Promoters go hand in hand with the event planners and event owners. Families will think about it. I mean, you could have images of your family. You could have family portraits. You could have videos of like your, your family gathering. All this different information that can be locked in to essential ownership to where you can pass it down from generation to generation to generation, right? Now, today you may have 
Instagram accounts for that. You may have Facebook accounts, but keep in mind, if Instagram decides to shut down, Facebook decides to shut down, all those images are essentially gone. If your hard drive crashes, those images are definitely gone. But if you put that sucker in the blockchain, it's being verified by <laughs> thousands of machines. So it's a global platform that can keep your images in the clouds essentially forever, right? So that's just one way of looking at it. Going into number five, the case studies, right? And this is something that I really want you to like, I'm going to break these down to a certain extent, some of them. And I just want you to kind of think of it again, outside the box. So we're talking about NFTs. We're talking about digital real estate portfolios, music and video, right? And I think I've mentioned this earlier about the ownership and royalties. So imagine a music label that has NFTs for all their artists. And remember, I was telling you about if I sell an NFT, then the artist or the original person, the original owner would get a percentage of shares. So think about that, right? And another part of NFTs that we haven't talked about yet is smart contracts. So essentially a smart contract, it's taking all the variables of contracts. If someone does this, if that happens, if this happens, then do this, do that, right? So all of that goes into this NFT. It's digitally, it's a digital asset. It's digitally created. It's associated to a digital product, which essentially in this case is music. It's a contract, which is a binding agreement. And then it automatically then executes that agreement. Right. So every time that song essentially is then played, right, then a royalty share can be paid out. And that royalty share can be paid out based upon the percentages of the ownership. Like that itself makes NFT a gold mine. Because right now in the music and the other industries, it's not really orchestrated that way. Right. I mean, obviously there's accountants that go in and is verifying this and doing all that. But imagine a system that does that for you beforehand. I'm not saying people want to necessarily lose their jobs, but it'll open up opportunity for people to do more constructive stuff than tracking and analyzing where you're going to be at a, a particular show this week and what you're going to make on this show is that just put all that into the smart contract into the nft agreement of that particular song and then base it upon how many songs you're going to sing on the stage it's a no-brainer but again it's not mainstream as of yet going into content creation and social media case studies well it's, it's a no-brainer just to monetize, right? Because a lot of times you'll, you'll create content and you're probably trying to monetize it. How do I monetize a podcast? Do I get people to do advertising? Do I get to market my own products? Do I get to sell? Like, you know, all these different opportunities to, to monetize a podcast. But what would it look like if you're monetizing part of the podcast through NFTs, right? And when I say part of the podcast through NFTs, Again, you're going to give added value. You're going to give bonuses. So imagine, for example, listeners of Boss Uncaged. This week, I'm going to release NFTs, just hypothetical. And if you purchase the first 100 people to purchase NFTs, you're not only going to get lifetime access to Boston Cage Academy or a year subscription to Boston Cage Academy, but you're also going to get access to the, birth, the first Boston Cage Summit. And that summit is also going to include an NFT as well. Right. And then you can say, hey, maybe you can get 20 percent off or you can get it for free or whatever it is. But now you're you're building a community of people that are all going to be interconnected through these NFTs. So when you see someone that's associated to the Boston Cage Facebook group, for example, and then on their profile picture, you'll see a Boston Cage NFT, then you know that they bought into it. And it's social awareness. Right. So if one person buys it, like, hey, that's that's pretty cool. How did you get it? And then it becomes referrals as well, becomes recommendations, word of mouth. There's so many different variables of strategy through these NFTs 
that you can utilize as an influencer or a podcaster or a YouTuber, but you just need to understand to think outside the box on how to utilize it, right? So think about it as a, as a branded micro economy. Okay, imagine if Jim Henson, right, the creator of the Muppets, decided to sell his first audio recording of Kermit the Frog, right? Imagine that. There's people that love the Muppets, but imagine not only loving the Muppets, but owning the creator of the Muppets' first audio recording of Kermit the Frog. Now, obviously, they'll still have the rights to use Kermit the Frog's voice, but for you as the owner of that one little nugget, that one little five-minute 30-second clip or whatever, there's probably going to be a hell of a lot of value for that because now you have bragging rights on one hand, but in the other right, if you're a collector, you have ownership of it, and by having ownership of it, then you can sell it and monetize it, right? So imagine being the first person if, if Jim Henson had an NFT when he originally created Kermit, and let's say he sold it for $10,000 back then. How much do you think that would be worth today? Right. So that's the beauty of that. And imagine if he was still getting royalty shares, 5 percent, 10 percent, 20 percent on the original NFT that he created when he created the Kermit voice. It's a no brainer. All right. Think of it from a standpoint of Super Bowl. Imagine being the owner of one of the original Super Bowl one tickets with the Green Bay Packers. And if you purchase that ticket, then maybe you'll get access to. Um, behind-the-scenes content in the locker room, never-before-the-scene interviews of the team on the day of the damn original Super Bowl. Now, obviously, it goes into bragging rights, but it's, it's so exclusive that, you know, not anyone and everyone's going to be able to have access to that content. But if the, just say if they put that together and they created that, people love Super Bowl. People love football. So I guarantee you, especially with the Green Bay Packers following, if that was a created NFT People will be flocking to that sucker. And then the first person will buy it. Maybe they'll buy it at a high premium and never sell it and then leave it for their family and leave it as a legacy. So that way, as it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows, much like owning a Basquiat piece or much like owning a Jackson Pollock piece, then you, it becomes an, a family heirloom to where maybe 100 years down the road, someone sells it, but they'll sell it for like a few million or a few billion dollars, give or take inflation. All right. Going into intellectual property and patents, right? So we talked a little bit about trademarks, but what would NFTs look like in patents, right? That's another thing as well, too, right? I can say I created the first patent for the iPad, and then Apple will say, well, we created the first patent for iPad, or we already you know, submitted our patent for review, and all this stuff that goes back and forth with the legal jargon behind creating the ownership of patents and trademarks and copyrights. And again, if an NFT was created on the day of thought, the day of execution, right? It doesn't have to be a completely finished model per se, but just to say you have access to the NFT and that ledger is then going to back it because once you mint it, then it goes into the blockchain. And again, it's going to be kind of, un you can't dispute it, right? So think of it from that standpoint. What would that look like as a user case analysis to then infiltrate NFTs into patents? Um, goods and supply chains, right? Tracking. That's a big thing. The U.S. Post Office completely sucks ass. And I'll be very frank about it. You may send out something from 20-mile distance in Atlanta, and it may not even end up in Atlanta, right? Like, I, I ordered something from um, Facebook Marketplace that was in California. It disappeared. It never showed up. All the tracking information was all over the damn place. And then come to find out, when they finally did find it, it went from California to Alabama back to another 
location, another city in California. I'm like, what the, how is that even possible? How do you go from Cali to Alabama, back to Cali, and I'm in Atlanta? So imagine applying the blockchain NFTs into that formula, right? You'll be able to then see where it goes, wherever it goes, however it goes. But the beautiful part of it is that it'll be a public available transcription of every single stop. Now, right now, you may put in a tracking number and the tracking number should work, but sometimes the tracking is usually paused, right? Until that driver essentially inputs that data in, it's kind of your waiting and pending, okay? Like Amazon does it all the time. They'll say it'll be there in two days. And on day two, they're like, oh, it's not it's not out for shipping yet. Day day three, it's not out for shipping yet. Then day four, it's like, hey, if it's not here in two days, then go ahead and cancel the deal because it, it hasn't even left the factory. Or it hasn't even left the warehouse as of yet, even though it's going to be two-day shipping. So imagine infusing NFTs into a tracking model for the blockchain. Well, sorry, not the blockchain, for the supply chain. Right. I think that that'd be a hell of a value. Right. Another user case analysis would be like the metaverse. And everybody that's like a new keyword that everyone's hearing metaverse, metaverse, metaverse. And it's, it's not necessarily something new. It's always been in existence. But, it, you know, Facebook is kind of pulling them all into one new brand. Right. So metaverse, let's say including virtual reality, augmented reality. Right. Think about games like Fortnite, Skylander, Pokemon Go, which are all handheld games that could be played on mobile devices. Except for like Skylander. Skylander was more so like a product, right? You actually had a a figurine of a character and you would use that figurine of a character to then infuse and play in the game and you would switch it out and it would switch out your characters, right? Sounds like NFT art to me, right? So and that's the other thing about NFT art right now is that people are then creating NFT art for marketing for their upcoming games. So they're releasing the art of their characters for their games. And if you buy the NFT art, then you'll be able to use that NFT art as that character inside of the game, right? It's kind of like Pokemon, right? If I have multiple different Pokemon characters, I could use my Pokemon characters as I see. Pokemon Go is essentially you're finding Pokemon's hidden, right? So imagine you're searching for NFTs, right? And these NFTs are associated to Pokemon. And as you find the NFTs, if you're the first one to find it, then essentially you have ownership of it. There's so many different possibilities with this thing that it, it just it blows my mind that, if you don't know about it, hopefully this episode is going to kind of help you to kind of make the wheels on the bus start turning, right? To make you sit down and be like, well, damn, essay. I wish I would have thought about this before, right? So again, this episode is essentially just to open up your mind to realize, to plug into these damn NFTs. I'm not saying to go out there and create them. I'm not saying to go out there and buy them, but I'm saying at, at the bottom line minimum, at least comprehend and understand that these things are here and they're probably gonna be here to stay. If they don't stay, then they're gonna morph into something else based upon the technology. So if nothing else, at least understand these principles. Collectibles. So collectible art, memorabilia, memories, digital fashion, all these things essentially falls underneath a great use, use analysis for NFTs, right? Art. Well, the NFT art came to existence because of the whole art collection craze, right? So people always want to collect art. They've always been collecting art forever. And now they've merged technology with art, which is the gold mine for all artists, all creators, right? Memorabilia, baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards, 
basketball video clips. There's a whole company that has created a whole NFT craze just on the basketball highlight reels, right? So imagine football highlight reels. Imagine all the different variables of all the different sports all being created into NFTs to have ownership, right? It's like you're creating money out of nothing, essentially, right? But again, the value is based upon the beholder. If you're a really, really, really big basketball fan and you love the Chicago Bulls and you love Michael Jordan, well, imagine owning the original schematic drawings for the Jordan 1s in a digital PDF or a digital image. And that also came with a signed digital autograph from Michael Jordan himself. People that, that collect sneakerheads, sneakerheads would lose their damn mind and probably spend millions of dollars on that one damn NFT, especially if it's one of a kind. Please, they'll lose their damn mind and they'll be flocking to get access to that one NFT. Um, last but not least is like, the tracking of ownership. And I, I said this keyword several different times. And I want you guys to think, I think it was like maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was a website called Where's George? And you was able to track money, right? Oh, I had a $20 bill and my $20 bill was in Alabama. It was in Tennessee. It was in Washington. It was in New York. And now I own that $20 bill. So it's kind of like playing with money in a sense, tracking the history of the money, kind of figuring out where did that money come from. Well, if you like that platform, if, if you were into that craze about tracking dollar bills and running serial numbers, and again, I'm, I may not be talking to everyone, but I'm sure I'm talking to at least a person at the other end of this digital signal that you remember this craze about tracking money, right? It's the same exact principle as NFTs. So again, I'm just trying to get you to comprehend the value add and the preposition of how to utilize these NFTs. So imagine this whole where'sgeorge.com and you're tracking, tracking this $20 bills. Well, imagine scanning the $20 bills and, and converting them into NFTs. Well, then it'll be no problem to track them wherever they go, right? And then that, that doesn't have to be money. It could be anything. It could be anything that's digital. And that's what's crazy about it. If it has a digital signature, a digital pulse, if it take a picture on your cell phone, it can be a tweet, it could be a text message, it could be an image. And again, it goes back to the statement I said earlier. Yes, you could take a screenshot of it, but you're not going to own it and be able to sell it for a value add. And the beauty of having a tracking ledger to say that you are the physical owner and you can sell it because you own it, then by default, you're transferring the value of that ownership to someone else makes NFTs hella valuable versus just a simple ass screenshot. Much like if I just run in front of the White House and take a selfie, it does not mean I own the damn White House. It does not mean that. I can't do anything with the White House besides take a selfie in the front lawn behind the damn gate. All right. So just to recap, we covered what is an NFT. Essentially, NFT is just a digital ledger, right? Just keep that shit simple. You don't have to get it too complex. When we get into the next version of details of NFTs, then we can dive that deeper. For right now, I just want you to think about having a digital ledger of ownership. Like, that's the basis of NFTs. And that ledger is then supported by verification by the blockchain, right? And the blockchain is just a series of computers that are computing the, the ownership, right? It's verifying that a transaction was happening. So it's verifying your ledger. That is it. Bottom line, period. Yes, there's other facets to it. Yes, there's other details that go into it. But as a simplest level, that's all it is. Digital real estate, much like regular real estate. If I own the deed to my house, then I can sell my house. If I own the ownership of my content, then I can sell my content. The more content that I have that has value, the larger my portfolio gets and the more monetization that I could possibly make. Same thing, if I own more properties, 
more turnkeys, more apartments, more buildings, more commercial properties, then by default, the more money I would make for people renting it, people leasing it, people wanting to purchase it, right? Same exact principle. Put those two together, you have NFTs and you have your digital real estate portfolio. Number four, just who can gain? Essentially, I would say, I hate to say anybody, everyone, because it's not for everyone. It's not for anyone. But anyone that's in the digital space, anyone that, that's in front of a computer, if you touch a computer at any given time in your day, and if you have a cell phone, and you touch your cell phone, you take pictures, and if you're on social media, you need to dive into NFTs. Like, at least, at least learn what the hell they are and then how you can use them for yourself. And number five is this is a case studies. And I, I just, I'm not going to go through all these all over again, but I just want you to understand like the cases that I went over was just to open your mind to kind of think of all the possibilities and use case analysis that you can utilize an NFT for in, in, in running side by side with digital assets as well. So think about that. I mean, good example to, to recap on was like the, the Super Bowl. Well, imagine every Super Bowl ticket being an NFT. There, there's only a limited amount. Right? There's only been a limited amount of Super Bowls. So let's say total, and this is an arbitrary number, let's say total from the first Super Bowl until the next Super Bowl, let's say there was only 10,000 tickets in creation. Every single ticket was a different year, a, a different um, team, a different city. Think about collecting that. Think about what would that look like as far as ownership. And you may think about, well, I got bills to pay this, that, and third, and all that. But I mean, essentially, you're looking at it as more of an investment, right? It's much like looking at property. If I'm going to buy a property, it, it, it comes out of location, 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 right? So it's the same thing with these NFTs. What are the location, not necessarily like the, the geolocation, but in reality of time frame, when does this ticket, digital asset, relate to something? It relates to football. It relates to Super Bowl. It relates to a location. So there's three variables that make it very original. So to have ownership of it then gives value. And then having the value of that, then you can kind of sell it and monetize it and make money back from it all day, all night, especially if you would want to create the original asset and then you'll get royalties on that, right? So again, this is SA Grant. Hopefully this information, again, I just want your wheels on the bus to go turning comprehend it if you have any questions feel free to reach out to me and let me know like was this helpful like did you get an aha moment and the I, I want you to say aha i got it i understand it and if you don't then let me know I, again i'm going to create more videos about this topic and uh, create videos about many other topics but the goal would be nfts is here now and i think they're definitely here to stay so before the bandwagon kind of gets too fluctuated at least comprehend it you don't have to invest in it but at least understand the world that you live in and where the world's going. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off.
Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.